Hmm. I wonder what kind of deals I can find online today. Oh, this site looks interesting. Hello there. Welcome to the biggest and best sale at Items to Worship Online. We have huge, that's right, huge discounts that, of your favorite items that everyone loves to worship on this, the biggest sale of the year. Well, that sounds great. Let's see what they're offering. This first item can change the way you look at yourself. Beauty. Just take a quick look at the media to see the perfect hair, the perfect body, the perfect makeup, or the perfect exercise routine. Oh, I can relate to this. I am never happy with my appearance. If only I could lose weight and wear designer clothes and accessories, I'd feel so much better about myself. I'm adding this to my cart. Also on sale is this unique item to worship, other people. All you have to do is obsess over the people around you and in the media that have the gifts, the fame, the power that you want. So watch them, learn from them, be them. Oh, I spend so much time following people on social media celebrities and influencers who I love to love, and then powerful business people and politicians who I love to hate. I'm adding this to my cart. And where would we be without this item to worship? Success. Working your way up to the top in your profession and making yourself indispensable. Disclaimer, this, this could include long hours on the job, and probably will keep you from precious time with your family and friends. <laughs> but so what? Oh, that's a lot to sacrifice for success. But if I have success, people will respect me and come to me for advice. I'm adding this to cart. This next item to worship is so important so, to so many. That's right, money and possessions. Just think of all you can do with all that money. Like spending it on gifts or things that you see other people have that you need to. Oh, I want this one. We never seem to have enough money. All my friends keep talking and posting about their new pools and their fancy summer vacations and their new projects at home. If only we had a little more money, we'd be able to buy those things too. Add to cart. One more thing that we would like to share with you at Items to Worship Online. One that often gets overshadowed. God. Oh, well, of course I should add God. And look, the price of worshiping God is free. Of course, I'll add him to my items to worship cart. Now, to the checkout. There has been an error. In order to add God to your items to worship at no cost, you must remove some items from your cart. Wait, what? 
Okay, what to eliminate? Let's see, I'll remove beauty and other people? There has been an error. In order to add God to your items to worship at no cost, you must remove some items from your cart. Ah, <sighs> okay, okay. I'll remove success. If I keep money and possessions, the rest will follow, right? There has been an error. In order to add God to your items to worship at no cost, you must remove some items from your cart. Okay, I've taken everything out of my items to worship cart except God. Are you happy now? Thank you for shopping with us. You have selected God as your only item to worship. He is the only one deserving of worship. God provides us with all we need, love, forgiveness, protection, comfort, and mercy. He gives us life, hope, joy, and peace in the most troubling of times. Your selected item to worship requires no shipping. God is always with you. God is always with me. I forget that sometimes. It's time I remove all these high-priced distractions from my life and just focus on God. I think of all the sins that the Bible teaches us about. Idolatry might be that one of the more tricky ones for us to deal with. And the reason I say this is because idolatry is exclusively about our relationship with God. And so if we are in some way struggling with our relationship with God, it might have something to do with idols or idolatry. See, God in the first commandment, he commands us uh, to love and fear and trust God more than any other gods, more than anything else, more than anyone else. So it's important that we ask the question of ourselves and that we reflect. What is it that we love the most? What is it that we fear the most? What is it or who is it that we trust the most? Is it God or is it something or someone else? So the title of our Exodus worship series this summer is Drawn Out to Be Drawn In. And the reason for this is because Exodus is really in these two parts. The first part of Exodus is how God draws God's people out of a terrible situation. They are enslaved in Egypt. But the second part of Exodus is how God draws his people in to a better story, into God's dream for them and God's dream for the world. The first part of the story when we're being drawn out of those painful, difficult aspects of life, well, that's the easy part. But the more difficult part is God drawing us in to God's mission, to God's uh, better way to live and love in the world. God is trying to draw us in to forgiveness and reconciliation, 
But it's idols and idolatry that want to drag us back into retaliation and holding grudges. God wants to draw us into a bigger and a better future, but it's idols and idolatry that want to drag us back into bondage. God wants to draw us in to a life of generosity and compassion, but it's idols that draw us back into greed and self-centeredness. So today's story from Exodus about the golden calf is a great example about how hard it is for us to be drawn in to God's story. So I invite you to open up your Bible, uh, whatever Bible you might have access to at home, and I want you to turn to Exodus 32, and let's do some Bible study together. Now, I want to give you some context. In the first five uh, verses of this, there's a, Moses is not with the people, because in the past several chapters, Moses has been on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Uh, Moses has been consulting with God. God has been giving the law to Moses. But this is a long time, and the people are beginning to become concerned and worried. Uh, and they don't know what has happened to Moses. Take a look at the first verse. It's kind of a long verse, so I just want you to look at the second half. And this is what the people say. But as for this Moses, I think it's funny that they say, this Moses, uh, it's like they don't know who this guy is yet. The man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. I think what the people are expressing here is that they are concerned that Moses has died. And this is why he's been gone for so long. And if he's died, that means he's not coming back. So in verse 2, we see that Aaron assumes leadership. Aaron also shares this concern that Moses has probably died up on the mountain and now I'm in charge. So he orders all the people to give up their Egyptian gold. And what's rather remarkable is that God's people are generous and they, they give up their Egyptian gold without putting up too much of a fight. And Aaron gathers all this Egyptian gold, melts it down, and then forms it into what would have been a very familiar Egyptian symbol, a calf, a golden calf. And then in verse 5, Aaron announces, tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord, Yahweh. So Aaron's heart is kind of in the right place, but Aaron coming up with this golden statue is way too familiar to the way life worked back in Egypt, where they were slaves. Do you see how tricky idolatry can be? Because it's a mixture of good and bad. And we can sometimes stay in idolatry because we self-justify it because there's just enough good. You see, generosity is good. Worshiping God is good. But forgetting about the slavery in Egypt is bad or using the gold and the images of Egypt to represent God, well, that's bad and just plain confusing. So our lives of faith, like in Exodus, they have these two parts as well. God is drawing each of us out of those painful, difficult circumstances. And that's the easy part. When we have illness or disease, we pray to God for healing. Or when we fail, we ask God for forgiveness. 
Or when we're weak, we ask God for strength. When we're alone, we ask God for comfort. And when God answers these prayers, well, we, got, we give God praise and thanksgiving. And when these prayers are not answered yet, well, we just continue to persevere in prayer. But the second part of our journey of faith is harder. This is where God wants to draw us in to God's dream for our life, into a better story. And it's hard because God asks us to change, to transform, to change our hearts and to change our minds. You know, when life is going pretty good, we probably don't want our life to change. Or it's hard to ask for God's will to be, get, God's will to be done when ultimately, deep down, we just want our will to be, to be done. You know, everybody can create a small g God in our own image, but few are those who are faithful and humble enough to allow their life to be changed so that they become an image of God for the world. This is why together we must be honest with ourselves and with each other about the idols and the idolatry that we all face and how they, they, they really drag us back into bondage to sin. So today's scripture passage ends in, I think, a very powerful way. It ends with God changing God's mind and not destroying God's people. So take a look at verse 14. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. This is a powerful and beautiful act of love and grace from God. And it reveals that God loves us so much that God is willing to change his mind so that we are not destroyed, but that we are rather saved. And this is the same kind of love that God is now drawing us into. A love that is willing to change the mind and change our hearts so that we don't destroy each other, but rather we forgive each other and we are kind to each other and we are merciful to each other and we trust that grace can heal even the most painful of relationships. So I want to share with you a story of Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was uh, an American hero in the 1800s. He was born a slave in 1818 in Maryland. Now, one of the people who owned him as a slave was Thomas Ald. And when Frederick was a teenager, uh, Thomas Ald was his slave master. And Frederick had the unique ability to read. And this was a great threat to Thomas Ald. And he knew that he needed to treat Frederick with uh, with greater cruelty to keep him in line as a slave. Frederick would even figure out ways to use a Bible to teach other slaves to read. Frederick's ability to read was a threat to his obedience to follow a slave master. And so Thomas Alt uh, would try to break the spirit of Frederick in order to get him to be an obedient slave. So this was some of the trauma 
that Frederick experienced uh, in his life as a slave. Now, when Frederick was about 20 years old, he was able to escape to the north, um, and he grew to become a very influential American leader, particularly uh, in the abolitionist movement and also the women's rights movement. He also became a writer, a teacher. He was a close advisor to many U.S. presidents, and he was a U.S. ambassador. Now, later in his life in 1877, this is after the Civil War, and this is also after the, the official end of slavery, Frederick returned to Maryland because it was safe, and he wanted to revisit Thomas Ault. Thomas Ault was uh, at the end of his life, and Thomas wanted to seek reconciliation. You see, because slavery was in the past in terms of history, but not in Frederick's heart. Frederick's heart still needed to change away from some of the nagging impulses of destruction that remained in there because of the trauma he had experienced. It wasn't enough for Frederick to have been dr drawn out of slavery. Frederick still wanted to be drawn in more deeply to God's story. So Frederick and Thomas, they met, and Frederick wished Thomas peace in his final days. Thomas also had a change of heart and mind, and he, uh, for, he, he, asked, he apologized and he confessed his sin of hatred and cruelty, not only to Frederick, but all the slaves that he owned. These two men changed their heart and their minds and departed each other in peace as friends. So the wisdom of God in Exodus 32 was that God changed God's mind and did not destroy the people. And the wisdom of Frederick Douglass and Thomas Ault is that they changed their heart and they made peace with each other. So how does this wisdom apply to your life, apply to your relationships? How does this wisdom apply to our country? It's easy to ask God to draw us out of life's difficulties, but it's hard to, to ask God to be drawn in to God's better story, into God's dream for our life and the dream for the world because it requires that we change our hearts and we change our minds. And this is always complicated because idolatry is so subtle and tricky. So may God give all of us wisdom and courage and faith to be drawn into God's dream. And may you be humble enough to allow God to change and transform your mind and heart to do God's will. Amen.